Hi, I'm Charles Olson, and this is Pod for the Planet. Today, we're going to be talking about the youth climate strike in Plattsburgh, New York. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate you for having me on. Um, I'm Will DeHaven. I'm the president of the Environmental Action Committee um, here at SUNY Plattsburgh. And I was brought in uh, by Charles to help mobilize kids to get out to the climate strike. Today we're going to be talking about the youth climate strike that was hosted here in SUNY Plattsburgh uh, one week ago. Um, It's pretty relevant considering just a couple hours ago Greta Thunberg and thousands of young people were marching just 45 minutes from here in Montreal today uh, as were young people across the planet again. Um, So let's just dive right in and talk a little bit about uh, our experience organizing this event um, and what that means. So, Will, do you want to tell me a little bit about your perspective on this whole thing? So, um, I think it was about three weeks before the event, um, I attended the meeting that Charlie invited me to um, with sort of, I guess I've called them like the old heads of Plattsburgh, and it's sort of the the older community that's been around and doing a lot of um, organizing and activism um, and just advocacy in general around climate issues throughout uh, the region. And there's a bunch of different sort of organizations that were represented, like um, the Citizens Climate Lobby, um, as well as uh, the different high schools. And so, yeah, attending that meeting, we just sort of uh, discussed different ideas of what we wanted it to look like. Um, and how we planned on getting the most people there for it. Ramel, you weren't there, but it was quite a, an energized meeting. Um, when I first came mm. up with this idea to try to do something for the climate strike, I was laying in bed back down in D.C., and it was actually after we had just recorded another one of our episodes, and I remember thinking to myself, huh, that would be something that would be really powerful because we have not seen something like that here in Plattsburgh. Environment, a lot of the environmental action here, like you said, comes from that old guard activism uh, here in the North Country. And we haven't really seen, aside from other incidents here on campus, that level of student engagement. Um, so, Ramel, could you talk a little bit about your experience with being engaged in other stuff like that here on campus? Because it's not frequent that we have that level. That level of like of, of engagement from the students. I mean, you you were you got up and spoke during uh, the Snapchat incident that happened two years yeah. ago. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> sorry. Um. I feel like th- I think the difference between the Snapchat incident and other incidents that's happened on campus that had um that kind of public reaction of like oh we got to step up and like you know, have a protest or we have to have like a sit-in or like something in response to something like that is that it, it was kind of personal. Like it was mm-hmm. on, on campus. It was affecting mm-hmm. our students directly. And then comparing it to the climate strike, it's something that isn't exactly personal to us, but is personal to other people around the planet. They're, mm-hmm. they're um, being affected by climate change way more than us so and then relating that to like how do we how do we how do we start 
that same emotional response of those previous protests and incidents to this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, with that, we were able to, from at least from the student side, to go go like go into this like protest into this strike mm-hmm. with a good emotional response in, yeah. my, in my opinion i feel that there is i mean just speaking from like the numbers of people that were present uh at the strike here in plattsburgh there was not a lot of the college community yeah. showed up and will you as president of the environmental action committee here on campus and just you've been in you've been part of it for so long how do you reconcile that how do you see the in like the inaction here from students it's it's frustrating um and i wish i knew exactly like what um the kind of course of action or what the secret was to being able to effectively mobilize kids that truly deeply care about it. Well, Um, so the, I mean, for the climate strike, just to put some perspective and context in it, most of the people that were present last week were high school students. mm -hmm. So we're not even talking about like kids anymore as we're talking about like young adults in the, in the college community. Right. I guess I say kids kind of loosely. I think that, the students that are in, um, in that are in fields of study that related to environmentalism um, are the people that are the direct audience that you would be able to think, or at least I have thought that um, I or we could rely upon um, to be present and to try to be active uh, among the community of um, of advocacy um, and be an, like an active member of sort of the organizing. Um, crew Um, but I mean and that hasn't really happened Um, but I think um, I think that the I think that the key really is um, being able to extend past that community and get people that do care and not are not necessarily involved in it um, with their field of study Mm -hmm. to to be there um, and, and show their support because you, you certainly don't have to be an environmental student to, to care deeply about it um, because it obviously affects all of us. Um, so I think that, you know, I, I think college kids are notoriously flaky in general, at least my Retweet, friends. I don't honestly. know if like you guys can relate to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, like even getting friends to hang out can be a hassle. So I think that it's just generally difficult. And I think even if, um, there were situations where kids were given uh, permission to strike and to not attend class on Fridays that they could have just utilized that to just do something else entirely or, or stay in mm-hmm. bed mm-hmm. Uh, instead. Um, so I think the idea of striking may have been sort of convoluted or, or lost, but um, we need to be able to bring people in and we need to meet them where they are. Um, in terms of being able to communicate with them and get them involved in whatever we have going on campus. And I think the other side of that is that we have to make sure that we keep having events like this and keep having a presence on campus so that they, um, so that people feel more motivated or more inspired to come, come join us. Um, so I think it's on us to, to build a, to build a better presence, um, so that people feel more comfortable coming and feel really excited about organizing around climate justice in Plattsburgh. Mm-hmm. A huge experience for me coming out of this was when I had approached the old guard of environmentalists in the area about 
helping to organize this, um, I didn't realize the level of commitment that I was stepping into. Um, there was certainly a very different level of engagement that happens between people who are able to do activism and do this as like their career versus young students who are trying to balance schoolwork jobs and other things along with trying to be active and essentially woke um one of the things that when i was talking to christy uh one of the main organizers of the event, the high school student, uh, she was telling me that it was really difficult for not just the students that she was trying to bring in to strike, but for her own personal ethics where she was trying to rationalize not being able to go to class and not being able to do the things that she normally would in place of being active. So how do we kind of reckon with that? Like young people don't have all the time in the world to put all their energy into this should we drop everything we're doing until this is fixed like what where is that happy medium and how do we talk about that well i think it's a generational thing in in one aspect because the people um who we had communicated with and were organizing with from older generations have experienced things like um like the kent state protest and the vietnam war protests where people literally like did drop everything um, and cause huge mayhem and massive civil disobedience um, in, in the name of, of justice. But I think, you know, I, I don't know if we have seen, at least in the U.S., that level of commitment to striking um, and to protesting that we have, at least historically in this country, or um, like at least uh, in the magnitude that we've seen from other countries that have done climate strikes. I know Germany has had something like a hundred or two hundred protests in the last like month alone um so i don't know if we're ready for that and i don't know if that's because we're kind of scared of our like pretty hyper militarized like police force mm. and what they might like do about that or if it's just that we don't it's just not something that we've experienced so that we don't necessarily think it's feasible i think we all got glimpses of what could be possible um two years ago with that snapchat incident in terms of mobilizing students to really put pressure on the administration. It's a huge rapid response yeah it was and, and they put immediate pressure um and so I think that I think that kind of direct action is the only thing that has been proven to be effective. Um, so the key is being able to harness that same kind of energy and passion for for all of the causes that we want to like stand up for. With the Snapchat incident that happened, um, I feel like it was more black and white. You know, someone said something racist, so then everyone they understand that like that's bad. But when it comes to climate change, I feel like there needs to be more education involved with climate change because some people just think climate change is just the earth's getting warmer and it's just going to be hotter. There's still people that think that. And I think it's also our jobs to educate those that aren't in like aren't in the environmental studies slash science majors that this is more serious than just the warming of the planet. Like it's going to start affecting you know, it is affecting the entire world. And also when you said how with the Kent State Massacre and the Vietnam War, for young people to be that motivated, do they have to experience like something on that level of tragedy that's related to climate change? No, I don't think so necessarily. Okay. I think what I'm trying to say is that every sort of major 
legislation or major accomplishment that has been made in the environmental movement has been preceded by intense and mm-hmm. massive um, public action, massive direct action, whether that's like the early wave of the Nixon um, legislation for the original Earth Day, um, or whether that's um, you know the strikes that led up to the the, pl- the Paris Climate Agreement um, with the, the big um, People's Climate March in the city. We've we've talked a lot about like differences in engagement and how to get other people engaged, but I I think another aspect of the experience here, just coming from being a small part of the organizing team for the Plattsburgh climate strike, was that there's huge differences in generational differences in, in activism. Um, how can we? What can be done that? older generations of activists can help younger new wave activists, especially in on the environmental stage with in, in a way that isn't taking the wheel from them in a way that is empowering this new generation of activists like Greta. Uh, there's from a lot of the media that we've seen, there's a lot of ageism that's been happening where it's mm-hmm. a lot of older activists and a lot of uh, just older people in general are being like, these are kids. What do they know? How can we, fix that what, what can be done with that um, well we, we kind of get to get into like our story I think if we're going to talk about that um, because that's pretty much the whole basis of what I can and say about that so to get into it a, a little bit um, with experience with organizing this strike with, with coming up for the idea to do, do this at the college uh, when I reached out like I said earlier uh, I didn't realize the amount of commitment that everyone in the environmental mo- movement here in the environmental community had already put in. Um, so I remember it had it was probably the first week, it was syllabus week when we had our first meeting uh, and then classes started. I had work and as a pretty active student on campus, I already had a bunch of other things happening. So I was under the impression that when this was going to be when this was being planned that other people were organizing certain aspects of it um and then i would be the per- the point person that would be like yes this is going to come together at the school with xyz and this is how it's all going to tie together in a neat little bow you know someone has to be the person that's the guy with the clipboard doing the big picture things um so that's that's what i had thought was going to be happening um, and then it kind of, in the week or two following that meeting, it kind of got a little bit out of control. Uh, how, there, how so? So uh, I was being CC'd on multiple email threads going all over the place um, with no consistent communication form. Um, I ended up getting sick uh, for two weeks uh, and not being able to do as much as I was hoping to do because I was bedridden for one of those weeks. Um, and in the course of about three days, a bunch of things had changed and I had no notification of it. Uh, so I had to then relay all that information to the administration at the school that was allowing us to use the plaza here. Uh, and it became, there was just mixed communication where it was very 
one-sided and every time I tried to like follow the threads and tease out what was happening, I wasn't getting the entire picture of it because I was one busy with other things. Um, that's when Will, that's when you came in a bit more with it. Uh, and you really picked up a lot of this and for lack of better terminology, you honestly pulled this thing across the finish line with everyone else. Uh, if it wasn't for you, I don't think I would have been able to, I, I would have been able to do half like, yeah, it's just, it, it was a bit rough towards the end communication wise. And the, there was some tension. Got wild. It got a little wild from my perspective because it, things changed pretty quickly and my understanding of it shifted. Um, and so uh, from my perspective, we had this first meeting and we had all these different ideas um, that they had brought forward that we all sort of, I guess, I guess to our fault, we weren't explicit enough in, you know, sort of approving or denying them or giving them a better vision of what we were trying to do. And I think we, that's a learning experience that we can, uh, you know, use moving forward. To be fair, I think that like, I, I mean, walking into that meeting, I was pretty clear with like i was this is going to be a small event it is going to be simple and there, I, I was i said multiple times not a lot of moving parts to it was the terminology that i used you did i totally. i i wanted to make sure that it was very similar to the strikes that we had seen with the snapchat incident where people were able to voice their anger uh voice their opinions on it mostly students and young people um but as you were saying so so, so I mean, <laughs> this things changed in the sense that they um, that that I mean I mean to say that that was the beginning of our misunderstanding mm -hmm. because they what was thought to be a, a presupposed notion of what the strike was going to be like based on like you said what other strikes have been like and what the notion of a strike um, is generally. Um, that's not really the view that they had of it, their idea of it. Um, and when I say they, it's really just a sort of a select few people um, that were particularly active, um, especially in this email thread, which seriously sent out maybe like 10 emails a day. Um, they um, wanted, and these are really, really well-intentioned people who cared deeply about organizing and wanted this event to be a success, but their idea of it was to have it as more of like a, a workshop or... A teach-in. A teach-in, yeah. Um, and that's not particularly like the model of um, of demonstration like that we were doing. I think that if it would be akin to any sort of... Um, other protest it would be sort of uh, you know occupy wall street um in the sense that it would just be occupying a space in demonstration um but so to having to having to reconcile um those the, that conflict of ideas um became really important so there was the meeting that we all had right before um the event the wednesday um, before so two days before and they had brought m me in I, I i decided to attend the meeting um because it was sort of like the last step in the big organizing picture um and by that point communication had kind of broke down 
um, in the sense that like they had not heard from you and you really heard from them directly and this and other lines of communication were being drawn um, between them um, trying to communicate with the school directly um, as well as with other people involved um, such as you know myself and Christy but at that meeting um, they really didn't understand um, why certain aspects of the event were um, transpiring as they were particularly um, this is a big part of it how the school sort of came down on us and said that, that there could be no amplified sound of any kind so we, no bullhorns or PA system or anything like that um, so with, with this crowd of people that we were expecting which was you know students from two different high schools and a middle school um, that was a pretty big blow in terms of limiting what we could actually do um, so, yeah, <laughs> what was, uh, yeah, what do you think that your kind of uh, mindset was in terms of navigating that um, dilemma? So the Snapchat incident, right? Yeah. The, the response to what happened in like, what, two days? It was about two days. Two days, and it went amazing. But you have this climate strike plan that's been planned for weeks, I just don't understand, like, why. Like, could it could have been like a? You think maybe it's like a subject? I think a it's su- like like you know one was about race, and then you know got you know people were on it on top of it. Like we're doing this in two days or like tomorrow, and then when it comes to climate change, it's like all this confusion of what you know all this confusion mm-hmm. and this planning and whatnot and um to add on to it it kind of felt like we were trying they're they trying to silence us a little bit especially with like you know no no megaphones no amplifi- amplifications of what's of whatnot and i remember dr dr guzio told me um in our past class that um her her daughter is like a part of the high goes to the high school and they were told that from a man in a suit that they aren't allowed to have chance so, and you know, from a high schooler perspective, like, oh, this guy, you know, guy in a suit, he, he authority figure. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, it's just weird. It feels like a, we're being silenced a little bit. <laughs> I, I think there's a couple of things you mentioned that, or I'm going to try to touch on and break this down a little bit more from my experience with it, but. I think the big thing came down to a breakdown in communication and a lack of understanding of what the final product was going to look like. I think that, like you said, Will, I I don't think that we were quite explicit enough in what we were hoping for with the final uh, outcome. Um, And with that, what, uh, what my initial hope was for this whole thing was to be something simple, not a lot of moving parts, not like a teach-in where we would just get people to show up, people to speak, and then people to stand there in support um, and do that for a couple of hours uh, in solidarity with the rest of the people striking around the world. That being said, the concept of a strike is very, like we said earlier, very difficult for students to get behind because it's not... It requires a significant amount of sacrifice. If I'm remembering correctly with the Snapchat incident and the protests afterward, those all occurred at night. 
Am I correct? Like a lot of the marching occurred it, on a week. It was a weekend when a lot of yeah. that stuff had happened. So, and then there's like the formal one, or the more for the more planned one the, when they the went to in, into city hall. Okay, yes, city so, hall, and then the president's house, and that it was the same day as um the ballroom. Yeah, yeah. but I remember that occurred. It, it was not during classes. It was. It was. Yeah. So. I wow. Um, the reasoning that I was given for us not being allowed to use amplification in Amity Plaza during the time that we had requested it for was that there were classes going on in the buildings around the plaza that the teachers of those classes explicitly said that they were not able, that they could not have the classes interrupted um, and that the sound would interrupt them. I don't know if the strikes or uh, the protests from the Snapchat incident were as planned out ahead or if they were approved by the school or if it was just a more spontaneous it happened and like no like they didn't go through I'm pretty sure it was more spontaneous because I remember yeah. there was like a specific group of students that were that came together and then they, I remember they had had the, the list of demands that they wanted yes. So for, for this particular case, it was when I when I had gone to get the plaza, a lot of this I did ahead of time, and I had to, to get the plaza reserved. I had to make sure that the administration knew what was going on, and I had to really kind of make some wiggle room just for us to be able to use the space, especially considering that there were people from the community and from the high school coming to this part of the campus that is not... Um, that's like an on-campus area. Um, so I think that's where a lot of that comes from. As far as being silenced, um, I, I can't really touch on that because I don't know. I don't know what happens above a certain level of administration mm -hmm. and what is said. Um, so I can't really talk about that. I, I think that um, during the during the day itself um some of the people that helped us organize uh came up to me and said that they had talked to the acting president and the provost um who was there and they said i guess they had relayed to them the the difficulties that we had in planning um and they relayed that to uh the provost and the acting president and they said that next time we should just go to them directly hmm. and so we, they would be able to somehow, you know, usurp um, the power of the traditional, um, like, protocol that we have to go through in order to have events on campus. Um, so whether that or not that's actually true, um, I think, you know, it remains to be seen. Uh, but I think it's worth a shot moving forward. Yeah. Uh, because we have um, really, you know, a lot of red tape that you got to go through if you got to make stuff happen on campus. Mm -hmm. um, you really have, like, a particular set of rules that you have to follow rigidly and literally Jake Avery um who is the um director of student involvement is mm -hmm. that right he's yes um he you know his office is literally looking out onto the plaza and so he's watching everything that's happening and during the first hour of the strike you know he comes over and taps us and says the tape that you have on the walls is bad 
that this duct tape is not is not suitable and you need to put this new green tape on because it will leave residue or take off the paint and you need mm. to do it now. So even like that small of a detail is mm-hmm. under the scrutiny of the administration. Um, so I think, you know, maybe that's a good lesson for us moving forward that we need to go to <laughs> to the president. I really have no relationship with the acting president, so I, I couldn't really speak on that. Um, but maybe that's true. Uh, I, I think that like during the day itself, um, it really felt satisfying um, to see everything come together the way it did, particularly in the beginning. Um, we had people arriving from the community and people arriving from the different high schools. Um, during the meeting on Wednesday, before all the these, strike, before the strike, um, we had all these different ideas that were floated around, and I was sort of in a position to, like, at this point, everything is sort of broken down. That I, you know, I was sort of willing to like accept any sort of idea. Um, so they had an idea. They, first of all, they had a really good idea um, to combat the lack of amplification, which was that certain people um, from the citizens' climate lobby had signs that they wore saying, if you have questions about climate change, ask me. Um, so I think that was a really good element, with that, which was actually you know suitable for the protest model that we were looking for um, and also educational for the high school mm-hmm. kids that were there. Um, so I thought that was really good. But then the other idea that they had was to have um, this drum circle performed by this group called the Rainbow Tribe, um, which was just this group of old ladies, man, with the with homemade drums. Um, and they said, you know, will that be too much noise? Um, and I was like, oh, my God, like... You know, screw it. Why not? Like that's something I want to see in a strike. I want to see a bunch of old ladies beating homemade drums. Um, and to their credit, what they did was pretty beautiful. Even though I don't know if you heard the the song that they performed, it was a bit <laughs> cringy, not necessarily on beat. Um, but it, that was just beautiful to see. You know, because mm-hmm. even though like we had these constraints, and even though they kind of came down on us, we were able to combat that um, and have sort of this beautiful moment of people coming together. And I think, you know, to some degree, not having amplification really made it a more intimate event because mm-hmm. people really had to pay attention um, and, you know, and really be present with each other um, throughout the whole time that people were talking during the open forum. It was definitely the event itself. The strike was not perfect. It was not everything it could have been. It was a very successful event and the media attention it got raised a lot of awareness about the fact that there are students young people in this part of the country that care about this um and that wasn't something that was quite so prevalent in plattsburgh before uh it had always been like the environment had been like a bit of like an adults game here in plattsburgh and now it seems that it's a bit more uh evened out i think this for me has been such a learning experience in organizing and working with people and in uh so many ways on during the day of the event like you'd said i'd noticed that there were like small things that kept popping up that were always an issue um and in my mind a lot of the shortcomings of this come back to communication problems vision and having planned for so long might have actually gotten in the way of a lot of things ramel you were talking about how uh, for the protest for after the snapchat incident that 
things came together quickly and they were very, it, it was organic. And I think that is a really good model for this kind of smaller community to get engaged is it has to be fast. It has to be quick and it has to be energized. I think part of the other problems comes from the over complexity of part of the event. The signs that had to be hung up, uh, tables for shirts to be sold. Uh, there, there were parts of, there were moving parts of this that I think weren't necessary to get the message that we were trying to get across. Um, and at the at the end of the day, I think we got the message across, um, and that's what matters at the end now. Um, but but I think this whole thing has just been a really, really impactful learning experience. I think that um, a good a good lesson to learn here is that you know maybe having it at the college wasn't even the best idea for the event because the nature of the strike is you know to protest school um, for kids to walk out on school and we were literally still on campus in the middle of campus um, and not to say that like it wasn't mm -hmm. a good venue for people to get together um, but I think it could definitely have opened up more opportunities for us to do more, especially in terms of, you know, PA or visuals or whatever, if we had it downtown. Um, not to say that that wouldn't um, create a whole separate, um, you know, problem, problem set with, you know, d dealing with the city. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, having a strike from school or a strike from work on campus, a place where kids are employed, where kids go to school every day, um, maybe, you know, in hindsight was the best idea. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and that's not something that I ever even considered, like before the event, you know, it just came, really became clear to me, like afterwards that it maybe could have been more powerful if we had it at a more, just a public space um, in the city, maybe downtown at Trinity Park. I'm 16, so I just finished my sophomore year, and my green team club advisor, Amy Schultes, she basically said, here's this date. I've heard a lot about this. Um, I have this website that I found, and I can't do anything about it because this is youth-led, and I'm a teacher. So if you want to do something, I know that there have been other kids that have come up to me and asking us if we can strike as a green team, but we can't because we are a school organization and this is going against like everything that we're taught basically. And the administration, like everyone talks about the system. Um, so we can't really do that. And I was like, yeah, I've, I've wanted to do this for a while. It didn't exist in Plattsburgh before, especially since I'll say it like multiple times, but it seems like we're such a small town and we can't really participate in like the bigger like world things such mm -hmm. as like the strike that are we see in big cities like New York and Boston. So I was like, it'd be amazing if we could do it here. There's no reason why we can't. How did you get started in all of this? Where where does this come from for you? I was I've always been a steward for the climate. I 
loved hanging out outside. When I was little, I would play outside. I loved going hiking. And just when you bring presenters into schools and things like that, a lot of kids, a lot of kids don't take it in, but a lot of kids do. And it just, it really like struck me as something that I wanted to care about. And I wanted to like take on as like something that was important to me. So I decided kind of that uh, global warming, climate change, taking care of the environment was something that was probably one of the most important issues for me. Could you tell me when is the first time that you remember being taught about climate change in school? I don't even know. Isn't that, yeah, isn't yeah. that crazy? School definitely didn't teach me anything about it. It was the outside world, my own research and mm -hmm. networking, talking to people that also like heard about this thing. Mm -hmm. And now it news is actually starting to cover some of it. And, but I, I can't name a time when someone said climate change is real. Climate change is something you should care about. Or you guys are going to take on climate change when you're older. Like, that wasn't something that we talked about mm -hmm. in school. That being said, why do you think there was such uh, outcry, so many people, so many young students here in Plattsburgh that were ready to jump on this and ready to take action? Um, the response I got was amazing. And I know one of our other coordinators that helped us plan this event, she goes to a different school and she doesn't feel the same way. Um, but I always felt that kids in my high school really did care. Um, we see it in the media. We see it on the news, um, the sh the shares, the likes and the comments, people surround people that I, s that surround me are definitely aware of it because of me, because of like the fact that sometimes I talk about it, I'll yell at them if they use a plastic straw or I'll tell them to pick up their garbage if they miss the trash can kind of thing. Um, and I think it's the networking aspect of it where the benefit of actually being small in this case is that we know a lot of people and word gets spread around pretty quickly. Mm. So. so what are some of the problems that you faced during your part of the organizing of this strike? Uh, well, first of all, I'm a student and I've never done anything like this at all. It's definitely going against the grain. I've always been someone who is a a student, goody, two-shoes kind of thing. And I knew that this was important and I thought I had to start with who could I contact that would help me like take this on first of all finding a location to do it was important so we we kind of got word that the college students might be doing something and that's where you came in mm -hmm. and then uh there is this group of citizens we a weird crew of people that were meeting on wednesday nights and that's kind of like where it started, they didn't even have a name at the time. Now we're called the Climate Action Coalition, but they were just a group of people that had ideas about the climate, didn't know where to put them, wanted to meet and make events and spread news about things. And as soon as I started going to those meetings, all those people from like the League of Women Voters and things mm -hmm. like that, they all kind of jumped on it and said, well, this is a project that's coming up. We need, we should probably drop any other could uh, conversation and just 
jump on this for a little bit until September 20th. So they helped me network. We found people from the college. Yeah. Uh, all right, they helped me with the superintendent, um, finding mm-hmm. ideas to get them to agree to let such a large group of students like leave campus and strike which was hard. Do you think it would have been impossible for this to have happened on the scale it did without some sort of older group of people intervening? Um, I don't, I'm not At least sure. here in Plattsburgh? Here in Plattsburgh, I definitely think it would have been way more challenging for me uh, because I would have had to go on websites and look up these people, whereas they knew about organizations and people Mm -hmm. that could get this off the ground already and so um i definitely faced some challenges there are there were people that had some different opinions Mm -hmm. about how we should go about this um our principal actually he said himself that this is a strike which means that you would have to leave school you would be considered absent like this is, sacrifices have to be made yeah, for it to be considered a strike this yes. is what yeah um the message of it is and that would be kind of a sacrifice for you to make and w- us as Plattsburgh students we ended up not having it be a strike for us it was a strike for you and it was a strike for most people but not for the students mm-hmm. because we're at the point where we care but there is this kind of buffer area where we still want to be in school we still want to be absent we don't feel like it's our administration or our school that's the problem like to sacrifice our education and grades and things of that nature already it doesn't seem like that would have been helpful and it certainly would have drastically if not completely eliminated all students that would have gone that's what happened here at the college the the amount of turnout that we had from the college students for the strike was it was almost next to nothing compared to all of the high school students that had shown up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was because we didn't actively try to get the school to cancel classes. We wanted it to be a more symbolic uh, event for the college students. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we kind of talked about how like the way that the older community and people in the area had been interacting with this movement. Um, and I noticed that you and I have both been in the news following the strike. Um, and there's been a ton of articles and stories about the strike. Um, and I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the comments section of any of those, but they have been, there's been some serious feedback uh, for to, some pretty messed up comments, some negative comments about the strike and about the work that we're doing and about the youth movement in Plattsburgh. Can you just tell me a little bit about how that makes you feel? I've always known that people would comment. Uh, My, my parent has always told me to not look at comments when you're doing things because you do it for yourself. You do it for your pride and the people around you that take pride in your work and, the things that you do. And so I didn't look at the comments until I had a friend that attended the strike um, that definitely is not as gung-ho as probably most people that actually went to the strike. And she sent me the comments and I looked at them and I, I was like, this, this is 
exactly what I thought it would be. I didn't think it, I didn't think it was as bad as it could have been. If that is something, yeah, if that's something, but um, it kind of, if anything, it does not put me like back in my place as a teenager, as a high school student. If anything, it just makes me feel like I am more educated. I've done the work that I need to and some people won't change and we have to continue to do the work that we do because um, some people are people will change eventually. It's happening. We see the statistics and we see the turnout for the other strikes. So I try to ignore it. I know people have had these opinions and views for a while and since they're much older they're always taught to like respect the people that are older than you and their experiences um and in the in the same way I respect them I think that they have some growth learning and respect for the youth that have been learning and researching on their own Mm -hmm. and it it does kind of make me feel Sometimes, like, it's not going to change. It's so hard to, like, make people change. There's always some someone or something that will doubt you or will say negative things. But um, I just, I try to ignore it. I try to continue to hope that they will or th- that something good will come out of it either way. So we are at the the end of a long week of climate protests. The climate week is we started it off with our strike yeah. on Friday with the rest of the world. Uh, now it's been a week and people are striking again. Um, Greta Thunberg spoke to the United Nations and I just want to know, how does this movement give you hope? What have you taken from this week that is going to drive you forward and doing this work? Um... I think that uh, everything about the idea of a youth climate strike is what can, it gives me hope because we have all these ideas inside and we're, we're growing as kids. We don't have everything figured out yet. Um, and we're still learning from other things. We don't always get the right ideas, but that kids can take action and that coming up there are going there are more and more kids that care and they know about these issues and they're educated and they have a passion for trying to change trying to get other people to change and um the fact that we will be like many people have said that the youth the next generations are inheriting the earth Um, that we'll be doing that and we'll be doing that early on as adults we'll be educated and we'll be able to make these changes and um, these steps to making the environment better because we're already this focused and this um, knowledgeable now uh, rather than the adults in our lives that we all like know that learned later and now they can't they feel like they can't do as much about it so that's kind of that mentality that you can't do anything about it because it's been going on for so long Mm -hmm. 
and they have that but we don't because we are surrounded by people that are changing like Greta she's just one girl but she's done so much already for the movement and if this many youth are doing it now then later five years ten years from now there's going to be a massive change and I think that it's gonna come and we better Mm -hmm. be ready for it and better be changing with it what immediate actions do you want people to do next and Um, where do you think we go from here I think continuing striking is very important because we need to not let our guard down. We need to show them that we're persistent, uh, that we fight for this message. I think that now that people know about this message and it's been spread like internationally around the globe, we need to write to our representatives, our leaders, whoever is, whoever is your um, leader, and say that we want this change, um, continue to have meetings and talk to people because that's one of the best ways I've found, especially planning this, one of the best ways to get action is by talking to people and sharing ideas. I, I am a firm believer that um, working with people and the power of people talking to each other can make a big change um can share sharing ideas has helped me so much and if we share ideas on how to fix this it's we're going to be a lot better off than if one person's fighting and everyone else is watching chrissy thank you for talking with me thank Thank you you for your help uh organizing the strike here in plattsburgh so we've talked a good amount about our experience with the Plattsburgh climate strike. And I feel like we could talk about this all night, um, just breaking down everything that happened. Uh, but I think it's important that we contextualize this a little bit and we talk about what actually happened last Friday across the planet uh, with the whole youth climate movement. I think that um, we have seen, like you know, probably one of, if not the biggest um, organized efforts um, worldwide that we've seen maybe in the last five or 10 years. Um, I think the only thing that comes to mind as a potential um, competitor against that was the People's um, people's Climate March in the city, mm-hmm. um, which was, I think, like, what, like three or four years ago. Um, so I, I think it was really powerful, like, to look on social media and to look online to see people doing exactly what you're doing all around the world, no matter where like they were, be it like in Far East Asia or Europe or wherever, um, the kind of movements that we saw were, I think, pretty inspiring. Yeah, Chile, uh, Bangladesh, India, you know, these are countries that had like amazing turnouts. And I feel like it's more important, it's, it's important to, um, that the media has more coverage on, um, the nations that are going to be targeted and affected by climate change more than, let's say, you know, the United States or Great Britain, whatnot. So you you brought up the media coverage to it, and yeah. we talked a little bit about uh, this in politics the other day. Yeah. But there were uh, there, there the United like, Nations. Yeah, there, there was were, a there was a whole group with Greta, and 
the the media didn't do a good job like covering them because they're like an extremely diverse group like there is one girl that was from south america she's 16 and she was saying she's from ecuador and she's saying how like she's been fighting climate justice and for um, fighting for climate um action yeah climate action for like basically her whole life because she she lives near the amazon Mm -hmm. and um there's another guy from nigeria and then um the marshall islands so you have it we we spoke a little about about this in um class today in my um um african-american blues class and my professor tracy guzio was like yeah sadly it's like the the european like has is more marketable mm-hmm. like media wise media coverage than you know it, it was a race thing it's it's touchy yeah <laughs> for i'm somewhere in the middle on this i think for all of the media shortcomings with the strikes in the past week of climate action I think that the that overall the past week has been like you said well the biggest that the biggest like single action in a long time and it makes me I I was thinking about this the other night about how how we win how and when I say we I mean the environmental movement the climate action movement whatever you want to call it whatever this is I, th- I think this is possibly the direction that we need to keep moving in because I-, I brought it up in politics last night. Change happens when culture is changed. Like we need to make individual culture different and we need to change the popular culture. And that starts with kids that starts with the young people and it, and if they can have this amount of effect now and this amount of unity behind this just imagine what's going to happen in 20 30 years when they're having kids and they're imparting these ideas these beliefs this action into that group i think that if we change if we can change the culture around this issue then we can that will in turn change the politics and that's how we win that's how we get stuff done. Yeah, I, like I said um, in the beginning of the podcast, we've never had significant actual change towards climate action without a massive movement of, of mm-hmm. the populace. Um, and so uh, that is why um, events like the climate strike give us hope because we see all this collective action being done by millions of people. And we know that that's the precedent that's been set historically for how climate action has been has been um, has been got has been done. Um, so I, I think you know that's what people need to get optimism from, mm-hmm. is that they have to recognize that you know historically these movements of people protesting together have been the precedent for any kind of legislation. It's never happened without it. So that that's what gives us hope for sort of what could be the tide, and that's definitely I think. You're right, Charlie, in the sense that the culture needs to change. Um, but I think the fact alone that, you know, we had things like the climate town hall 
um, with presidential candidates talking for hours about climate change when I think during the presidential election they maybe asked like two questions about it throughout the whole Mm -hmm. debate process. Um, That's a huge change in terms of the kind of rhetoric um, that's been going on um, in popular political culture in America. So I I have a question for both of you. So you talked about how change does not happen unless something huge, something unprecedented happens. Um, Do you think we're going to see any type of change in the next five months? Like whether that be, you know, small scale local government stuff or like nationwide, international, like I'm just, it's a big question. I know. I think so because I, you know, the next couple of months are when all of these deadlines, um, for voter registration are, Mm. um, in New York, I think it's somewhere in the middle of October. Um, and you know, other States, it's uh, similar dates. Uh, So I think, you know, it's up to us and it's up to everyone to make sure that the people that we know um, and the people uh, in our lives that have just turned 18, where this will be the first election that they're voting in, making sure that they are totally squared up and are ready to go and have all their um, all their documents filled out um, so that they can vote whether that's where they are um, in college or at home. I I agree with that. I, in the show notes to this episode, we're going to include a bunch of links and information on voter registration stuff since this is going to be dropping uh, in the beginning of October. Um, voter registration deadlines are approaching soon, so it's that's going to be a huge step over the next couple of weeks and months is to do that. Back to your question, five to eight months, I don't... I, the optimist in me really really wants to see and like i hope that something could get done in that time frame i just don't think that i i don't think that this is enough yet i think that i agree (laughs) that for something to get done we need policy we need the votes to happen we need the elections to happen and then something can get done i think in the next year two years in the next year when we have this conversation again, I think something will have changed drastically. I just, I I think if we stop now, we won't get there. I think, yeah, in terms of that time frame, like five months just now, based on the events that have transpired now, when we're recording this, um, I think our, our legislature is going to be totally swallowed up by the circus of impeachment for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future yep. until a resolution is made. So I don't think there's going to be really anything going on in our legislative bodies until that's sorted out. I think that really is captured mm-hmm. the attention of every policymaker and rightfully so. Yeah. I think that going on that, like there's other policy stuff, small things that have been happening, small victories and battles that have been being fought in the policy arenas of our country and places around the world. Um, I hope that the United States could be a leader on this action as or the five to eight time span. I think other places around the world might see some improvements. I just don't think we'll see it here, but anyway, uh, I think it's a good time for some final thoughts. Um, where do you think we go from here? What should we do next? 
to tie this up with a neat little bow. Whoever wants to start. Uh, well, I think in a, a like a pragmatic way, um, the next thing that we have to have our eyes um, peeled for and our, our thoughts um, sort of honed to is the next next um, next event. I think we need to build on this momentum. I think we need to use what we learned um, organizing with um, the older community in Plattsburgh to have a better rapport and have a better understanding of what these events should look like going forward. And I think, um, you know, November 29th seems to be the next day that global action is going to be taken because that coincides with Black Friday. I think that's a perfect opportunity um, for us to, to protest the kind of culture um, consumers culture that has gotten into uh, this mess in terms of generating so much waste um, so I think that's the next thing for us step um, pragmatically um, and like we said before we need to make sure that everyone um, by the time um, voter registration deadlines rolls around that they're registered to vote um, I agree with the voting part definitely um, also I feel like from here we need to continue to be open and um, vulnerable and um, make sure we're educating those that do not know or do not know much about climate change and how serious the issue is, especially for marginalized groups. And we need to, we need to unmask that veil that just because we're in the United States or just because we're in a westernized nation that it's not going to affect us because it will affect us either directly or indirectly. And we need to continue to take action and not just feel like we need to do more than just protesting because we could scream and shout all we want, but there's going to be people, people in power that are going to ignore us. And we, we, we can't, we can't be ignored anymore because it's not just us, it's going to be the future also that's going to have to deal with all this shit. <sighs> the sigh. <laughs> big sigh. The big, the famous Charles. <sighs> vote. Yeah. Please, for the love of God, everybody who can vote, vote. Vote in every election. Educate yourselves before you do. This is the most important time because if we don't like you said, like you both said, if we don't get active now, these upcoming elections, the elections that will determine the policy arena for the next four years, and by the time the next major elections roll around, it's going to be too late for us to take and to turn the ship. And right now, we are sitting in the Titanic, and we're all passengers. We're heading towards an iceberg, and we are trying to warn people that that is coming, and they, their politicians are just still shoveling coal into the boilers, just speeding us up, and we can be yelling all we want, but unless we grab the shovels and make the policy ourselves, we're not going to get anything done. And it's scary, but I think... That this movement, that what we've done, what the people, the young people around the world have done, they're, they're grabbing the shovels. They are taking control of the situation as much as they can. And we'll see how that plays out over the next couple of months and years. It's going to be fun. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be wow. a wild ride. This is going to be in the history books. We if, are going to be in the history books. If, you know, more published. 
(laughs) (laughs) All right. I want to thank you both for podcasting with me tonight. Thanks, Will, for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, Thank you for listening to another episode of Pod for the Planet. Uh, As always, if you have any questions, you know where to reach us on our social media channels. Uh, Those will be in the show notes below. Uh, Please drop a comment under this episode. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, And as always, thank you for listening.